This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive <laughs> welcome welcome back to another episode of Chopper Dive Podcast. This is the, the, the post-game recap of a 40 to 20 ass whooping handed down by the Chicago Bears on the Washington Commanders at home Thursday night in front of the world in a sellout crowd. Man, I've seen everybody in the comments uh already going crazy, man. Letting your frustrations out. I get it. Out to Daniel Monty. You know, everybody, it's it's a frustrating moment. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I don't, I don't think I would have ever seen today. It's two things. First of all, this is one of the most craziest expected outcomes of a game that I even seen. Like, I I never really counted Chicago out, but I never seen a moment uh, in my life where I was so surprised by uh, <laughs> the performance of a game uh, or throughout the course of a game that I saw this evening um with with Washington and the the, the Chicago Bears uh you, you rack up 170 something first first quarter points I'm excuse me first first quarter yards for the Chicago Bears offense um after the game is over the Chicago Bears finish with three players with receptions throughout the entire night and they put up 40 points on your defense uh, this is four weeks in a row where your defense has allowed 30 points um consecutively uh, and in the midst of all of this, there was there was just a sense of a team that 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 really looked like we were talking about this year. I said, "There's no way in hell that you could have slept on the Chicago Bears." Like I I can't I can't fathom that being the case. And oh my goodness, like that's what the hell it looked like. That's exactly what the hell it looked like. Dre, uh, AJ, um. Welcome in, I guess. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, man. Uh, overall thoughts on on what was a a a, a, a pure ass whooping, I guess. In this in this essence, let's do the one sentence <laughs> takeaway and 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 do the shits. Let's do the shits, man. Uh, AJ, you want to give yours first? I, I'll be quick with my one sentence. Man, go take ahead. I'm you actually going to do what AJ wants us to do, and it's one <laughs> sentence and one sentence only, and we fucking suck. <laughs> 
That's how. That's my <laughs> one cent. Hey, bro. Hey, man. Okay, so let me let me try to get on board. I'll, I'll try to. I'll, I'll do the one sentence thing according to according to AJ's rules. Um, this was some bullshit. I I appreciate that. Uh, my one, my one sentence is somebody gotta go. Oh, um, let's start with the the more glaring side. Um, I mean, both it everything it was bad. Um, and and with with Joey Slide missing down ten just puts the icing on the cake. Um, you know he did what he could to 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 kick the first two, but it does it doesn't matter. Start with the worst side, man. I, this defense, bro. Um. The way it started in this game for Washington, uh, like you had the first two, the first two pass attempts where you knew off the first one, even though it was incomplete, right? Um, to DJ Moore, like, oh, they they got something here. This is sketchy. I hope that was just, I I hope that was just an accident, like a, a simple coverage bust. Let's get this fixed next play. We're good to go. But they came right back. And targeted DJ Moore again, and they connect on another big play on a third down um, to extend the, their opening drive, ultimately leading to uh, one of I think that was one of uh, DJ Moore's first touchdown on that drive. Um, where do you, where do you even go? The 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 gap integrity was bad. Your secondary was was bad. The coaching um, in terms of like uh, uh, how they. Um, Utilize some of the coverages from from even Kendall Fuller to uh, even Manuel Forbes staying out on DJ Moore too long. Uh, I, I I guess they allowed him to get his his get back, um, Emmanuel Forbes, and it it looked just as bad in a different way uh, against him. Um, from a tackling standpoint, like this one was glaring from a tackling standpoint. Uh, it I I don't know, man. Y'all got the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... Overall, man, you just seen you just seen Ron Rivera and Jack Real get out coached. I can't even necessarily blame it on the offense when when you start a game and you already down 10 nothing, it's like you can't really even get into your bag all the way. And then that team goes on to score even more touchdowns. Like Justin Fields threw for almost a hundred, 150 yards in just the first quarter alone. <laughs> alone. 150 yards. Sometimes sometimes Justin Fields don't even end the whole game with that type of number. So to throw for 150 before you even in get into quarter. the second quarter is insane. It's like nobody can even blame Forbes. The entire secondary was getting cut. Right. From from DJ from took his turn on all three of them. To the nickel, to the free safety, the strong safety, the backup safety, everybody was getting cut. So that tells you like we preached on our on our show on Tuesday, there is a defensive scheme issue overall and game planning. Like, I don't care what the Chicago Bears did last week against Denver. And if I'm not mistaken, the Bears played in Denver, right? Didn't they play in Denver last on, on Sunday? No, they had the home. I think it was in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, it's no excuse about what happened in Philly. None of that. Like, you literally got out coached. Your team got out coached and they were not prepared. And defensively, you got your guys thinking too much. That's why no one is playing fast. Like, even look at the last play 
once again, bro, you leave your corner on an island. And then even Kendall Fuller being the guy that he is and being a veteran and, and having that savviness to him, he still jumped the route. Like, if he had made the play, great, but he didn't. So if you take that risk, you got to know, if I don't make this play, this is six because I got no safety help over the top. Unless unless he believes that he has safety help over the top, which we will, we might not know because how these safeties are playing is very confusing to me. Like, I don't know sometimes what their real responsibility is, but they play scared. Uh, everyone is playing scared whenever they go against a quarterback that's a dual threat. And nowadays, almost anybody in the NFL that's playing quarterback is a dual threat, unless you're going to play Mac Jones. Um, yeah, I can't really even think of another quarterback that can't really create outside of the pocket in the NFL these days. Like, even when you play Desmond Ritter, or Ritter next week, he can create outside of the pocket. So what are you going to do then? It, it's just it's just very frustrating, man, because it's like Eric Bieniemy is working with all of the cards against, stacked up against him with a, a a makeshift offensive line, a fifth-round quarterback, and he's still being successful on his end and being productive, whereas you have a guy on the opposite side calling the defense in Jack Del Rio, fourth year, a bunch of investment into that defensive line, uh, secondary, whatever you want to call it, and they can't get their shit right. For the Bears to put up 40 on you at home is insane, bro. That is insane. You're not even close to being a team worth competing. And if we're going into the the fifth year, possibly, of Ron Rivera, there, there's major issues. I already know what the ownership group is thinking. It's just, for me, I don't necessarily want Eric Bieniemy to get his shot at running a team as an interim. But something, something got to give here. Like, Jack Del Rio was bad last year for me as a defensive play caller. And now going into this year, we're into week five. How many times has 30 points been put up on them? Three out of the four straight. Nah, four out of the straight. last five games. Some someone gotta get fired. Like I, I always kind of go back to this when we talk about Ron Rivera. If anyone has ever seen that series on Amazon where they followed the Carolina Panthers, they went through the same exact crap on defense. And what happened? Ron Rivera ended up taking over play calling duties. You do not want Ron Rivera calling the fucking plays for this team on defense. Someone has to go, and either that's Jack Del Rio or Ron. Someone has to go. I don't know who they would bring in to, uh, to supplement Jack Del Rio as play caller. Maybe you give Ron Kerrigan a shot or Jeff, uh, however you say the defensive line coach, you give them a shot. But someone innovative has to come in. Jack Del Rio's scheme and game planning is outdated, and you could tell that they the defense is taking on the personality of him, and they really don't even know what to do at this point. Uh, the only real highlight I could say of the game is Chase Young looks like he's that dude. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I agree with AJ, man. It starts right there with the coaching, man. I mean, you got to start with Ron, obviously. I mean, this is his, you know, ship. He commands this ship. And they're not prepared. It's a Thursday night football game. It's no excuse for this team to come out unprepared. But this has kind of been a staple of the Jack Del Rio defenses, especially early in the season. But now it's to the point where you can't give them any more excuses. It, we're, we're tired of saying we're going to wait till later in the season to play better. No, 
play better now. I mean, you played against Justin Fields last year. You kind of know what to expect from this offense. But they came out today and looked like they knew exactly what they wanted to do in our defense, and they dictated their will all day long. And actually, I want to say this game was actually lost in two places tonight. It was lost on the offensive line on offense and the defensive line on defense. And I say that because early in the game, obviously, the defensive – I mean, the defensive line was getting bullied. Chicago's offensive line, I mean, which outside of Darnell Wright – I thought they struggled uh, most of the season so far. I mean, which is why you see the issues with Justin Fields. But then you come into this game, and these guys are having their way with the defensive line. Most, I mean, mainly the gaps. It's not even just so the defensive line, it's the linebackers as well. Cody Barton yeah. seems like he never hits the gaps. Like he, he's never there, you know, or hitting the right gaps in a sense. So it was just a bullying of the front seven up front the start, and then on offense on the offensive start side. The enemy tried to get the running game going early, and that hurt the team early because you had two straight three and outs. And he did try to establish the running game this time. You can't blame the enemy for that, but the front, the offensive line got bullied by the Bears yeah, defensive line. <laughs> and the Bears defensive line, I don't even think they're you know one of the better units in the NFL, but they came out and they bullied your offensive line up front when they tried to get the running game going. Um, so that's where you lost this game early on. But Jack Del Rio just doesn't seem like he puts this team in a position to kind of make the offense uncomfortable. We didn't see that until the second half. Why did it take to the second half to kind of make adjustments? That's when you start sending your blisses, your exotic stuff. But it's like he relies so much on this front four because this this front four has the status and everything. So he wants the front four to go out there and win games by itself. And he waits until, you know, the defense has already given up 20 or so points to say, all right, now I got to give these guys some help. And it's like, when do you start being the proactive group? When do you start being the proactive coaching staff? We're always too reactive. And as you see today, it was too late. I mean, you know, they lost lost three offensive linemen during the game, bro. (laughs) (laughs) They lost their damn center, bro. He didn't, and, even, and, he, didn't even, he didn't even line up somebody over the center defensively. And that's what I'm saying. Like, why? And, and it's like he's still sitting back saying, well, my front four, you know, these guys are supposed to be those dudes. They'll eventually wreck the game play. No, Chicago came out there and did everything they wanted to do in the first half. I was telling them all before the show, everything Chicago did work. I think, Maul, yep. you said what they had, three completions to receive. I mean, three, three different yeah. guys caught passes the whole game. It's three. It doesn't matter if everything works. If everything works, you can only go to one guy. Like, nothing – the commanders could stop nothing that the Bears wanted to do offensively. At one point in the first first quarter, bro, DJ Moore was on pace for 500 yards in the game, bro. He was on pace for 500 yards after the start that he had against – Well, I I got him on my fantasy team, so I I had a hell of a night in my fantasy Look at that. That's the consolation prize right there. (laughs) That's the the bitter thing He didn't won the week for you, bro. Thank you, Jack Um, Del Rio. (laughs) Ten ten targets, eight receptions for him. Um, Dre, you said a lot that that, that rang true about about this defense overall from the the front line. Like, I knew it was going to be a rough day when – I don't know if you all noticed. It was probably – like I think it was the first drive, and – you knew early there was like four or five seconds for Justin Fields to throw in the pocket. And I said, hold on, bro. <laughs> I said, hold on, bro. You telling me everybody up front getting clamped up at one-on-ones, bro? You telling me they that? But now I, I did see like one double team. I think that was interior. But you telling me everybody else getting clamped up at one-on-ones. Y'all can't, y'all can't, y'all can't win the edge or anything like that. 
Um, you can't push the pocket or anything. Like Justin Fields had moments where, and, and obviously I'm, I'm showing this screen where Magic Johnson, for those who are listening on podcast side, he mentioned tonight, um, not even 10 minutes after the game was over. What did he say? The the tonight the commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27 to 3 heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 40 to 20. Um, he simplified it in one of the most amazing ways that you could. Uh, when you when you find your way down 27 to 3, like this was one of those games, bro, where sure, like the commanders put up some fight in that second half, they ended up cutting it as close as 10 points, right? But this was one of those games where I'm I'm looking at this this the the performance from Washington and like how Chicago never stopped letting off the gas pedal. I'm like, yeah. Like yeah. They felt Chicago, good. We made them feel Chicago won this. Yeah, Chicago <laughs> oh, yeah. won this, bro. It, it, it turned it turned up their D-line, it turned them up overall. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's been a long ass time since they've had that type of comfortable lead. And when you have that kind of lead, you can get a little frisky. You feel me? Like it, yeah. it, it's pretty much BT undercut. I mean, uh, BT uncut. <laughs> when you when you get that type of lead, prime time, you can do what you want. You can get risky with your play calling on defense and offensively. Like that. That's that's the bad part. And I think it's amazing that Sister, Magic wife is Magic cool. posted that that tweet immediately after the game because that tells you that they're not satisfied with what is going on. No matter what. Uh, yeah. you know the time frame is of them coming in as the ownership group. They they know what's up. Magic knows what's up. Being a former athlete, being you know with a successful organization, they know this is not the way that it should be going. It should not look like this in the year four of a coaching tenure. You can no longer blame Daniel Snyder. You can no longer use that as an excuse. This team was not prepared at all. And when you get down twenty seven three at halftime. Who the hell is going to be able to come back from that? Like, it felt good when they were moving the ball. But realistically, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on a young quarterback, uh, inconsistent offensive line, and a new offensive scheme overall. But still, you can see the difference in coaching from the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side. It is night and day. And I even tweeted it. If Eric Bieniemy was was able to fully run this team – this team would be competing at a whole different level, bro. Like yeah, when, when your head coach is just standing on the sideline, just with his head, with his arms folded, and still making badass decisions. Like, why are we going for a field goal there? Like, go well, for the touchdown. What does he do? Remember, remember at halftime they asked him. They said, "Well, what did you say?" Well, I didn't say anything. I let them talk on themselves. I'm like, "God damn, Ron! I mean, do you do yeah, anything?" That anymore? man ain't. <laughs> oh, he ain't say a damn see, word. I didn't even see that part. Like, yeah. I, I just don't. I just don't know at this point. I mean, I feel like I feel bad for the fans that spend their hard-earned money. You know, they Thursday night take their family out. Some of them got to work tomorrow. Some people travel from out of town to go watch that even... type of to go watch that type of bullshit. You feel me? Like. To go watch the Bears and lose, like a team I, that I, literally hasn't won a game in a year. One year. They last won October 2022, bro. So here was here was this one thing. Well, two things. Um, one, I didn't know I saw it on, on online, but I didn't know that, and this is me, I, I may have missed it, but I didn't know that Washington was doing the fans, y'all gotta come support this thing again. Like I heard that's what they were doing, trying to bring people, trying to bring people to the stadium again. And 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 if that was the case, 
Uh, why am I not surprised that this was the result? Because this happens every single time that they invite the fans out there um, and, and ask them for their support, and, and then they come up and, and, and pull a dud like that. That's a random comment. My main comment has to do with uh, just essentially like understanding um, from the standpoint of, like the the coaching and the enemy you mentioned uh aj what what the enemy situation look like he's a much more intense coach right um and we we knew that uh coming in and, and we've seen like the tone that he's established and uh on the on the offense side of the football like even with the the uh what's the word um the holes that they have on the offense like there's still a like a wild oil machine in terms of like efficiency like they that like the processing is there but they're having issues up front. I don't understand what the hell they were doing on that third down play. Um, just from a from a actual a look standpoint with Terry McLaurin and and Brian Robinson in the three point stands, Nick Gates got beat off rip in that third down. Um, so like it wasn't much you can really see from that. Uh, uh, but it was third and short, and you have uh, a split back formation with Terry and 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 Brian in the three point stands. I, I don't I don't understand what that was trying to achieve. Um, but overall, when you look at just it, there was so let me be clear. Um, in the post game, let me see if I can find it. Here it is. In the post game, JP Finley is had asked the question to Ron, and, and he had asked, Does having a little extra time with the Thursday game give you a chance to look at more wholesale differences than if you would in a regular week? And Rivera paused. And do I have I do have video? Oh, it's lit. All right, bet. So here we go. Here's what Ron here's what Ron said post game about um wholesale changes after a loss like this on a Thursday. Do I share the audio? Can I share the audio? Where is it at? Okay. Let's see. Yep. Does that give you a chance to maybe look at more wholesale differences than you would if it was a regular week? To a degree, yes, you know. But again, we've got to go through this. And we'll, we'll we'll take we'll take our time and we'll really look at it. Puerto uh, Rican Jeff Fisher. Yeah, that, that's that. Now nah, that that's we killed me. That's we killed me. But but to that to that point though, like when you think of what the enemy's doing on that side, and what you think of from Del Rio and his situation, uh, I don't like. And then on top of that, from a coaching standpoint, that's one thing. Like, how do you fix a mess like this when when it's several different things going on? I don't like the gap integrity thing. We used to blame who was the the dude that came with with Ron Sam Carolina Mills. Sam yeah, Mills. We, we used to blame Sam Mills for these issues, but the the issues are popping up again, and 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 he's gone. So and that's just a whole front seven thing: the the linebackers and the the the, the defensive line and. And that's been a that was a problem last week. That was a problem throughout the season on occasion with the defensive line and, and those linebackers. Uh, and then obviously the, the the explosive plays on the back end is 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 terrible. And, and tonight players just got beat, and they all got beat by one person, which is crazy. So when you look at like how Ron responded in this question, um, there is no excuse for giving up twenty seven points in one half in the first half at that uh, to the Chicago Bears. And 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 while you can think. For even with me, like we said it on this show, um, and I said it on this show, me me particular, I know that you can go like when you go toe to toe with with a high powered offense in the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm I'm willing to give you leeway, knowing that like a, a team on the opposite end is a is they have playmakers, they have a ton of playmakers, they have a really good quarterback. 
This is a quarterback and an offense that was struggling, had a struggling offensive line throughout the entire part, entire first four games of the season. And you come out here, you you don't generate enough pressure at first. Um, Justin Fields is tearing your defense apart from from what what can appear to be simple concepts or simple simple coverage concepts. He's picking it apart, and there is no answer from your defense. Uh, and and everybody looks lifeless. Like that is that is the epitome of of a person who can look at more wholesale changes in a 10-day window with with Washington playing a week from Sunday. Uh that's kind of where I am like listening to that like I can I can see uh Ron taking a serious effort and and obviously once once one if if something does happen to the coordinator on defense and Jack once that one domino starts to start to fall the, the whole thing is going to Start crumbling well, down, bro. Here's, here's the issue that I have is it's like with Ron Rivera, when you look at his regime and you look at it as a whole, this game here just shows you that they're never going to take that next step under Ron Rivera. I'm sorry. I mean, even if they go out, they beat the Falcons next week. It doesn't make you feel good as a fan to know that this is what you do. Every week's a roller coaster under Ron Rivera. You know, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next. Like for the most part, even the games we win, is games we kind of edge out. We don't really dominate the opponents under the Ron Rivera era. But there's games where Ron, where, where Ron Rivera's teams come out and they get the doors blown off of them. And it, and this happened tonight against an 0-4 Chicago Bears team who lost, I mean, what, 14, 15 straight games dating back to last season. And then they come out and just straight up dominate you. I mean, you, weren't, you were never really in this game. I mean, you tried to make a valiant comeback in the second half, but you were never in it. And it just feels like you're going to see the, you know, as long as Ron Rivera is the press conference, you're going to deal with these press conferences. Or as long as he's the coach, you're going to deal with these press conferences where he's coming out looking like he has no answers. I mean, that's that's what you see just now in a clip that Maul just played. It's like Ron Rivera's teams, this is what you get. You know, you're going to get a middling team. You know, they're going to win some games probably that they shouldn't win. They're going to edge those games out. You know, they're going to be they're going to hover somewhere around seven, eight to nine wins. And that's what you see out of this team. Like a lot of fans, you know, before this game were coming into this saying, oh, you know, we can, you know, we got a good stretch of games coming up. We can go five and two. I seen a lot of that coming up this week. I was like, wait a minute. Let's start, you know, yes, we have a good opportunity. This is this stretch of games, these three stretch of games where you had the Bears, hey. the Falcons, and the Giants coming up. You know, you looked at this and said, maybe this is the stretch of games where you want to see if Ron Rivera's team is going to take the next step. I think this was the perfect opportunity to see. But this Bears game just showed you this is the Ron Rivera you're going to get. You know, they're not going to come out and could start, you know, dominating their own destiny and beating teams that, you know, so to call, so to speak, that they should win, you know, but we are one of these teams. That's just what we are. We are the Falcons, the Bears, even though the Bears are 0-4, this is what we are under Ron Rivera. So you're not going to just come out and easily beat these teams. I was hoping that the narrative was somehow changed, but I think this is year four. We can finally, you know, call the book on and say, this is the Ron Rivera teams we're going to see as long as he's here. Yeah, I mean, I thought this would be an opportunity for them to play their first complete game under Ron Rivera overall. Boy, was I wrong. I think all of us were wrong because I think we just feel like because because they've been together so long, especially on the defensive side, that they shouldn't even be in a situation like what they were in against the Bears tonight. Like the Bears could have had maybe one or two explosive plays and scored, right? 
But to put up 40, bruh, if I thought the Bears was going to score even more than 20, would have put up my life savings on FanDuel, DraftKings, draft prize picks, some, you feel me? Like, but, but like you said, Maul, only three Bear players had receptions. So I take it it was DJ Moore, it was Cole Komet, and Darnell Mooney. If if you uh, see uh, Robert, Khalil Herbert, Robert oh. Robert Tunyon and Cole Komet with other two. Okay, wow. so Mooney didn't even have a reception. Four targets. It's crazy. Four targets for Mooney. <laughs> Herbert had three targets. St. Brown had one target. He couldn't hit either one of those three, bro. So he at, can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So at what point do you not? Especially if you're going against a one-dimensional offense, why don't you bracket DJ Moore and force him to go elsewhere? Like at some point, you have to get creative. I mean, they literally just sat back and hoped that the front four got to to Justin Fields. And like you said, Ma, when the game started off like that, I said, "Boy, it's about to be a long night," because I did not think that was going to be the game plan going against Justin Fields, but. Why Why did I feel that way? I don't know. Maybe because I expect people to be smarter than what maybe we are. You know, I wouldn't call us media pundits. No, that's pundits, saying it 100 Media pundits right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we, we know enough football. Our football IQ is pretty damn high. So you expect guys that get paid, you know, and, and have all the resources and tools and, and staff around them to plan better. But, no, we keep seeing Jack Real use the same format Anytime he goes against a dual threat quarterback, I've been watching Justin Fields play quarterback since his time in high school. Last year, last year was an anomaly for him. He is not a running quarterback. He just had to do that due to circumstances. He wants to throw the ball from the pocket. That is who Justin Fields is. Like he's always been that his entire life being a quarterback. Why? If anything, I'd rather Justin Fields had beat them with his legs versus in the air. Like to to have DJ Moore looking like he was Stefan Diggs tonight was insane. Like, not saying DJ Moore's a bum, but he, he literally dogged him. And yeah. and then and then now you add more controversy on top of the loss. You done bench your first round pick. He's legit the only player from your entire 2023 draft that's class even playing. playing. <laughs> that's playing. You got guys that are inactive. You got guys that are not getting no reps at all. Your second round pick is only on special teams. He missed he missed the tackle on special teams. Now you bench Emmanuel Forbes and make it seem like he's the guy, the reason why things is falling apart in the secondary. When legit the whole secondary probably should have got best due to this game. That and that and and to that point, Brad, like it's it's so crazy that the the week that you bench Forbes is the week shorted he undoubtedly he had his issues like those missed tackles is the thing that that's one of, that was one of my glaring things when when i saw that on his college tape was like he can he can overcome some of those technique issues but teams ain't going to stop testing him in the run game or with 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 bigger with bigger body receivers and with dj Moore in an instance where you have to tackle him head up after you you try to deflect the pass can't get it but now you got to try to bring him down and you give a little effort, very little effort at that. And then you got Herbert in the middle of a defense uh, getting to the second and third level. And it looks like you intentionally whiffed the tackle so you don't have to go up on him head, head first. Like, I'm like, that. that is that is one thing. But to AJ's point, he had a bad night. But when you bench him, uh, it, it was for coverage issues and for his inability to, to tackle. 
Then you're looking at the other cornerbacks to sit here and say, like, I hope they make a play. Danny Johnson got beat his first rep out there against DJ Moore, and it was overthrown. Then you had Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Juice, who were cool with, like, it is what it is. But we're having issues from the very first drive, from the very first three three plays of the series, where it's like, oh, my goodness, like, He's finna, he's finna cook. He, he gonna make every single person in this secondary sign the football. Like that's how bad it was. And, and, and like Forbes is definitely going to be a, a, a major controversy for, for you, uh, for the rest of this week. Cause you, you decided to bench him. Um, and, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve to get benched. Like if you can't be out on the field in, in terms of coverage or making plays after the catch, um, like we can't trust you out there right now. But your whole your whole defense had a had a terrible performance, bro. Forty points but, is is inexcusable. But Ma, what was even weird is you didn't you bench Forbes, and you didn't move Ben back outside. You put Danny. You put outside. him back in nickel. And 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 Danny is not a good outside corner. Like yeah. if anything, he's sufficient. He's sufficient enough at nickel, but outside, he. You might as well put Stevie Wonder out there to guard whoever the wide receiver is. Like, so that's where I'm just like puzzled. I really don't know what's going on, bro. Like, I don't even know who the DB coach is anymore now that Chris Harris is gone. (laughs) But, like, something is completely off with that secondary. I don't think that the guys as a unit have an issue communicating uh, because those guys, I've been around them. they're They're fairly close with each other. I think that they are thinking way too much and that a lot of responsibilities and roles and keys are being put on them because everyone was getting dogged, no matter where you look, from the Cam Curls to the Ben St. Juice to the Fuller to Percy Butler to Defoe, whether they were playing man, whether they were playing zone, especially the zone, they were getting dogged. Everyone was getting dogged tonight. Like, there was a couple calls that should have happened even on Ben's side that didn't get called, you know? Like, oh, yeah. every, Everyone... Everyone got their fair dosage of, of shit tonight. And to make Emmanuel Forbes kind of the scapegoat is just me looking back, and, and it just shows me that Ron Rivera doesn't know how to keep himself out of creating storylines. Because see, now that, now that that's going to continue for the rest of the season, and especially this week, because now not only did you lose, but your first-round pick, you bench him, make him the scapegoat, and you legit have nobody else out of your 2023 draft class that's playing any snaps, possibly. But And it's funny that AJ mentions the Forbes being a scapegoat because, like you said, nothing changed when Forbes went on the bench. It wasn't like when you went on the bench, everything got better. Because like Maul said, Danny Johnson got beat the first play he came in a damn game. <laughs> I mean, he did, obviously, it was just incomplete. But, I mean, it was this, still the same coverages. You were still expecting, you know, DJ Moore to get stopped by one guy. You know, I mean, it's it's nothing changed schematically, so to speak. The only thing that really changed in that whole second half was they were like, oh, now we're going to start the, you know, blitz a little bit more and not just rely on a four-man pass rush. But when do you, like I said, as a team come out there and say, we are going to be proactive in this game? And that's the thing we just do not see with this coaching staff. Everything with them is a wait and see, and we will react and adjust accordingly. To, so they think, but the Bears blew the damn doors off, and you never really had a chance to come back in this game. Justin Fields, according to NFL research and next gen stats, is the first player to throw a short 
intermediate and deep passing touchdown in multiple games this season. Justin Fields, um, for they classify short at zero to nine yards, intermediate 10 to 19, obviously deep 20 plus. Um, he, he did it again. He did it before in week four. And only other players with one type of game this season like that is Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. Um, so shout out to Fields, a person who has been struggling at quarterback and, and I don't really have too much faith in. But it's so crazy for my own karma that I have no faith in this quarterback and he dots up the commander's defense where I got to watch that shit prime time. Um, and there ain't no, no other game on where I could turn from this. Um, that's, that's a very sombering, uh, sense of, uh, reality for myself. Um, Leno, man, Charles Leno mentioned post game. Where did the quote go? Did I retweet it? I think I retweeted it. Uh, Leno was asked about all the hits on Sam Howe earlier this season. Um, Sam Howe today was sacked or tonight was sacked five times for 29 yards. Um, and then he got hit quite a few times when he tried to dump it off, got rid of it, um, and things like that. But he had said, Leno did, that he is worried. Um, says he was surprised that they kept calling pass plays late when the game was decided. What did you all think? What What did you all think uh, about the the their decision to keep passing it before the end of the first half too, when when there was no possible way for them to get in end zone, or even close enough to kick a field goal? Like, what did y'all think about some of the, some of these decisions um, from the past game, but but also offensively, just just seeing. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're down twenty seven three that quickly, that that is for the most part is out of your control, but you go three and out two times. And then you have a, you have a pick on your third drive that contributes to uh, the, the amount, the, the slide that, that was tonight. Um, what do you think about kind of how this, this offense performed? Uh, you mentioned Dre, which I, I agree with up front. You wasn't really establishing anything in the ground game. Um, in terms of like getting traction from your offensive lineman, getting the, the defenders off the ball, Chicago bears came ready to play up front. Um, but but they're they're saying like there was just nothing clicking there uh, for the first few first few drives, and and that's kind of to the point. And the reason why I bring it up, that's kind of to the point of what we mentioned with the consistency. Like three, Arizona, Denver, obviously Buffalo, and then four four out of your five games to start the season, you've had like terribly slow starts, and and it's it's contributed to to like the the culmination of a, a bad defense. Um, in a, a team who can't stop, stop giving up explosive plays, and an offense who is struggling to keep up with, uh, <laughs> frankly, the the other team that that can that can put up points with with ease on these guys. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> hold on. What was the question you just asked about? What well, the running game? No, yeah. So the running so, game. Yeah, no, I was gonna say. You never got anything established, as you said. I mean, I think that dictated a lot of what you ended up calling later in the half. I mean, um, I had no issue with what Eric Bieniemy was doing um, as far as towards the end of the half or even in the second half, because when you tried to get the running game going, I mean, you're, you know, the interior of the offensive line was getting bullied and pushed. Brian Robinson had nowhere to go, and that kind of led – 
you know, to the outbreak of the game. I mean, obviously the defense set the tone. The defense got the um, possession first. Well, our defense got the possession first against their offense, and they just got gashed through. And the next possession came through. You went three and out, and two of those plays were run plays that really went nowhere and pretty much snuffed the drive. The second drive, I believe the same thing happened. You tried to get the run going again, and it got stuffed again. And next thing you know, you're down 17 nothing. So at this point, you're playing desperation football. It wasn't like the previous games in the season um, that I kind of got on Eric Bieniemy a little bit about and that he didn't establish the run. In those games, I felt like the run worked a little bit when you did try it. The little bit of times you tried it, it worked, and then you got away from it, and you never really got back to it. But this game, I felt like Eric Bieniemy tried. I couldn't get on him. I couldn't get. I couldn't be upset with him because he tried, and it was one of the reasons that kind of led to what you had seen throughout the game. Like that along with what the defense was doing got you off to that slow start. So, you know, Eric Bieniemy was playing situational football tonight. I mean, it was nothing much, you know, you could do, but just go out there and just let Sam Howell throw the ball because you were down by so many points. The passing game started working in the second half. I mean, but you you pretty much had to keep passing because you never really got within a good striking distance where you felt comfortable you could start getting a run established. And if you did, you didn't really have that confidence that you were going to get it going. It could have been a situation where you get Brian Robinson the ball while you have this momentum in the passing game and you get stuffed again. And then next thing you know, you're back at square one. So, again, I didn't really have an issue, so to speak, with the uh, play calling, um, you know, it Execution was the issue today. Execution. Oh, was more yeah, so. oh yeah. Yes, to be clear, yes. I was. I'm asking. Yeah, it wasn't a coordinator painting picture thing. Just, just the the inability to get anything going. Right. Just contributing to that to that slide. Um. And and I guess you kind of marry or or marry the differences in like terms of like how they were slow uh, in previous weeks as well. So I get it. But yeah, just 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 for whatever reason, they just can't get out their own way. Whether it be like you mentioned, execution this week. Um, and just generally, like the the style of uh, like the the whole Brian Robinson thing, trying to run the ball, all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, this is AJ. You got any thoughts on 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 just in terms of how the offense performed, uh, whether it be uh, first half, whole game, whatever? Uh, I mean, how how the first half started off for them? Of course, like what it was like two or three uh, three and outs. Um, you you yes. want them to start a bit a bit faster, but it's understandable. You feel me? Like we all know, one of the main issues that Sam Howell has is, is going through progressions and reading the field. And against this particular team in this defense, they they have like more so an old school approach, and they're going to play a lot of Tampa too. But what they did was they also switched up some things and confused Sam Howell. Um, you know, later on the game, Eric Bieniemy was able to adjust, but overall, you knew he was going to struggle uh, early in the passing game, trying to take things short. But when when a team gets up and has that momentum, and they go up ten nothing, and then it becomes seventeen nothing, or either seventeen three, whatever it was, it's like it changes everything that you plan to do for the rest of the game. Honestly, um, like you may want to develop the run a little bit more but now you're having to play catch up once again it's like it, it's it's very hard for Eric Bieniemy to get into a true groove offensively when he keeps having to call call plays being down by multiple touchdowns you feel me like it's only one game that they truly have had a lead on and that was last week against the Eagles 
But outside of that, every game they've had to try to fight to come back and, and put themselves in position to win. And it's hard to get a true rhythm with what you want to do overall. But, I mean, I didn't really have that much of a problem with the offense. You feel me? Like, when it's 27-3 at halftime, that's the last thing I'm really concerned about is the offense. I felt like, you know, everyone was trying to their best to push forward and make plays happen. I mean, that's where you get, like, a Logan Thomas probably not just going down, trying to gain extra yards as if he was Bo Jackson and he was going to break through all of that and still score. <laughs> you know, you you get when, – when you stay up that long – you're at a yeah, high risk trouble. of getting the ball punched out. So I already, and it's so crazy. I was just about to tweet it because the play before he did that. So I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to punch out this ball. And that's exactly what happened. He was never comfortable if you watched him on that catch, though. It looked like he was struggling to grab possession of that the whole time. I knew he was going to fumble that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then you have another play where, um, Sam Howe looks off to the left, but you knew immediately he was going right. He was going to come back to the middle of the field and corner jump right in front of it. Tampa two, you feel me? So um, they missed another deep shot to Diami Brown. The I don't Diami really Brown know. One was rough. I don't really know who to blame on that one all the way. I felt like I felt like uh, Sam. I thought Diami could have made a play on that one. I guess maybe outstretched that for it to, to keep to keep it. Above, I think it caught him off guard, bro. I, to keep it above, that makes sense. I, I think Diami Brown is so trash, bro. Like <laughs> that, I don't even be thinking he's gonna make plays, but he's been schemed up to be in position to score at least three to four touchdowns this season, and it has not happened for whatever the case is. Not happened. He worked out with Sam Howell in the offseason, they got their rapport from college. It, it does not matter, bro. It, it has not happened. You even seen Jameson. Uh, I mean, you seen a uh, Crowder get some reps today at wide receiver. Uh, was Pringle was in more. Pringle was out there. Yeah. So it's like I don't really know what's going on there, bro. But at the end of the day, I'm not really gonna be down on Airbnb once again. But also, what was going on with Terry though? Because I I don't know. Because I remember a moment. Um, they I think it was either a beat report or they said it on the, the program. Terry hadn't been out there for like two or three straight plays. And the moment one time Terry tried to go out there um, and, and the coach pulled him back to the sideline too. Um, not saying something specifically was wrong with him per se, but like adding to the conversation, like you first time ever seeing Jameson Crowder on the field this week. Um, Byron got a, a couple of, uh, or plenty of snaps, I, I guess, toward that tail end of the game. I mean, Jamison Crowder, like, it, it looked like they were looking for something fresh for somebody to, to stand out on a, a, from the receiver group. But I don't know what that means because you don't really see – or maybe it was just a case of, like, um, you just played on Sunday. I, I don't – I really don't know. Yeah. I, I noticed mean, I, that in game two. I, I think maybe maybe his toe might have been bothering him a little bit. But, oh, I, I mean, with this Amazon Prime coverage, man, they ain't really do the best job, especially sideline Porter. We ain't got Lisa Salters out there. Or Pam Oliver, so we don't really know. We don't really know what was going on with that, but I think Ron is making also a lot of excuses with the turnaround. Everyone is going. Everyone legit almost has a Thursday game now. How they how they've scheduled it. So it's like just have your team prepared, my boy. Like, yeah, it's no, it's no excuse. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you went for a two point conversion twice tonight, right? Mm-hmm. You could have did that shit last week. <laughs> like. 
and it was it, it was beautiful play calls. You feel me? Like beautiful play calls, and something was open each time. So it's like I don't know, man. Well, and, let, me, and, let me ask y'all this: AJ and Ma, both of y'all, since we on the offense, where is y'all Sam Howell meter right now? I mean, I asked this because after last week, some people thought where they were convinced that we had a franchise quarterback after last uh, week. Uh, I didn't want to go that far uh, yet because I mean it's a long season, and as you see, it's a roller coaster. You know. Uh, as this team goes, nothing seems to be consistently a thing. You know, it's, it, everything seems to be consistently inconsistent. So where's your same how meter after this week? Man, I, I think honestly, it's like the, the it's continued the continuance of like that Jekyll and Hyde thing. Um today you saw more um processing issues like from then than what it was a week before like last week he, he felt like it, it seemed like he was real repaired um he stayed on cue uh he stayed on uh on rhythm you know, within rhythm uh, of the offense and then this week he's late one too many times uh sometimes he got confused with what he was saying and and and, and tucked and, and put that head down look to scramble um and, and then sometimes he completely missed things like and and but it was it what it was to the point tonight where it was more noticeable on on several drives more than it was like one or two times throughout the game, like it was last week. Like he missed probably about four or five things last week, um, but this week he missed several, and it contributed to like the the, the Antonio Gibson play in the end zone, where I think he tried to take a sack or or I said tried to take a sack. I'm sorry, he tried to escape the pocket to avoid a sack, um, but he had looked Antonio Gibson's way and just and just got off the route. Um, and and to your to, to your question, Dre, I I think for me, man, it's it's hard to sit here and say like if you're not building on something and it's not consistently showing, like how can you claim anything with how? And, and I've always been that way, and and technically we've all on this show have been that way. Like you want to see something consistent before you like start to stake a claim. And five games in or six games into his uh NFL career now, like you see good. But like the the pop ups of the negatives is like, how can you just now his arm talent is crazy. Like he had moments where he was dotting dotting them up in that second half, especially when when the offense got the turn on. I think it was like two straight two straight drives with points. Um, and and that was really good. Uh, so you hope to see like he continues to grow. But like there isn't like these moments of inconsistencies and like these 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 bad processing moments is like. Can you overcome that? And I can't say for for sure right now that that he's he's shown that he's able to. Um, I got to see it more. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to Sam Howell, for me, man, I'm I'm good. I'm good off of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if if people want me to keep it real, like at the end of the day, you are who you are. The same thing, like we we do with Jack Del Rio, we did with Carson Wentz, whatever. I just don't see those things changing in in Sam Howell's game. Like, you're, you're. But I think that's fair though. Like, if if that's how you feel, like if you don't feel like it's changing, then you can make you can you can definitely make that. Yeah, because I, I just feel like even if even if I have to look just forward to the draft class of next year, quarterback wise, like there's better guys coming out of college next year that can do those things that can process the field and the game much better. Like when I when I have a guy who's literally stepping into sacks, it's like, or not seeing reads or not even seeing blitzers pre-snap. It's it's like you're not picking up everything of the game. And that's not to say that this guy can't, 
can't play quarterback, whatever. He'll be he, he's a solid number two in this league. Like, you know, fortunately for Washington, they drafted him fifth round. So whoever they bring in at quarterback next year, he'll he'll be around in case something happens. You feel me? <laughs> and you won't have to pay a backup like Jacoby Brissett ten million dollars. But for me, I'm 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 out on Sam Howell. I don't think I never really bought in. Uh, I feel like he he had a solid game next uh, last week against the Eagles. But for me, he's not he's not the quarterback that this team needs going forward. You need somebody better. You need someone that's a, 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 a much better processor of the game and also someone that can truly escape pressure when need be. I think that too many times he tried to play hero ball. And, yeah, he kind of limits what Eric Bieniemy can do due to the fact of the processor issue. So it's like that's where you have to give Eric Bieniemy even more credit because it's like he's working with so many – so many um, – limitations Limitations. and and still making do it's like it's like you put him in a kitchen and told him to cook lasagna but only gave him ground beef and he's trying to figure out the ricotta (laughs) the the pasta whatever the case is it's like he's down bad and still making do that's why i feel like if he were to even have to come in as interim head coach he would have this team firing on a different level and intensity level but yeah, I'm I'm out on Sam Howell, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I know people are gonna be like, hey, well, what you about a you? You a hater? But I'm out, bro. I I I probably been out. I was yeah. never I was I, never I in. That. I'm about to say you weren't even. I'm about to say you was never in. I'm, right, I'm in that right. space. Like I said, I'm I in that space in. where I'm still in that. I I'm still willing to to see it through from a sense of like it's it's five games. Um, ain't nothing changing in terms of like their their circumstance for for 2023 so like what at what point does it click for sam and if it doesn't like we're in a good situation moving forward like we're in a good situation moving forward knowing that we need a clean break from coaching staff and from your quarterback situation um that's not going to help anybody in terms of like the people the other people on the team uh but at the same time like if you're trying to find if you're trying to find that answer uh, you know, we'll find it out after these what 12 remaining games and seeing if how can can really uh establish himself or at least be interesting enough to, to stay on board for another year. And I think for me to answer my own question, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of with you, Maul, in, in the sense that I'm trying to, I'm still figuring Sam out, I'm still giving him a chance, but I think I got a bit of an idea, a better idea of where maybe his ceiling lies versus maybe where his floor lies. I think his ceiling is somewhere in the Derek Carr tier of quarterbacks. Um, I mean, oh, I, I hate could, him. I yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm just from what I'm seeing. <laughs> like, and I say that because I think he can be a starting quarterback in his league, but I don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback you desire in this league. So, you know so I mean? Dre, so, so Dre, what I guess Dre and Maul, what are y'all holding out hope for? Like, no, move, move, so, move, move away the game from last year against Dallas, strictly under a modern NFL offense under the enemy. Uh, what are you holding out hope for when it comes to Sam Howell? Well, I mean, I'm I'm very I've been very specific with with my things is is like I I know what his issues are, but it's like you don't close the it's not easy to to close a book on a person who is younger. Like I I put it this way, 
because it, it was the same example that I used with Emmanuel Forbes. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do the same thing with Hal right now. Like if what we're seeing is a symptom of a person who's been who's been like two or three years into the league already and he's dealing with these same issues. Like it's easier to close the book on somebody like that because you have more of a sample size. But a person like Sam Howe, who is five games into his uh, his NFL career under the enemy, um, you're looking at a person who is still trying to get the get the the sense of a of, of what a, a NFL defense does on a week to week, how they adjust, how they game plan, and how they get creative against you. And it's something that that is really confusing you. But if you have games that he showed against the Philadelphia Eagles just a week ago, like that is something where that's high level football play that you're not necessarily getting from previous quarterbacks um, that that Washington had. had. So it's like you can't close the book on somebody like that. You have to see if he can continue to if he can find a way to stack games and really do something for this offense. And that's where it's like for me, what I, what am I holding out on? Uh, I've seen the good, even though I recognize the bad. But if that bad is there to the point where it's it's here like a year or two later and it's holding and it's holding back this team, that is something where it's like you can recognize that this is a a, a, a fatal flaw and not something that can be can be re. Uh, readjusted as 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 time moves on or, or or fix as time moves on hey hey maul quick question for you it just came up in my head you like Jameis winston if Jameis winston was in this offense what do you think he would do so be clear i i verbally and ad, admit that i did like Jameis winston my tone changed after last season um it's not like i dislike him but i just don't think that he's a starter um i think he's a backup so like what do I think he'll do on this? Isn't Winston and Brissett, Brissett two similar quarterbacks in a sense? <laughs> um, I guess. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, I know they both yeah. black. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, they both pocket I... passing quarterbacks, veteran, you know. <laughs> what do I think they'll do? Uh, what do I think James will do? Um, I'll give some stats. I, I don't know, probably what 22 touchdowns, 13, a lot, 15 picks. Um, 3,500 yards, um, 62% completion percentage. If I had to give some things like that's a m- above average quarterback play, uh, from a, from a stat standpoint. Yeah. Um, but that, but that's it. AJ, I mean, uh, Dre, I didn't want to cut you off though. Cause I know you was about to speak. So I, I want to make sure you get your, your points off. Um, we can, we can close out with this too, by the way. No, I was just saying that, you know, um, I, I think it's still in a somewhere in a Derek Carr range. I mean, where he's not necessarily a desirable quarterback or your desirable starting quarterback, but he can't start in this league. You know, and that's that. But again, you know, I'm with AJ. If you have a chance to draft one of these uh, quarterbacks next year, you, I'm not guessing. I'm not second guessing myself. I'm taking one of those guys because I see a lot of I think this is a very strong quarterback class coming up. And I do think that they have better prospects. I even think that uh, North Carolina has a better prospect um, than Sam Howell in Drake May. You know, I've been a big fan of his. But I mean, I do think that if you have one of those guys, you go after him. But as far as Sam Howell goes, I do think that, you know, if you if he's surrounded by the right cast, he, you know, he's, you know, in the right system, he can be serviceable for you. I mean, maybe even a little bit better. Um, but my opinion could change. I mean, he's it, that's what I'm saying. We, we, from what we've seen from Sam Howell, has been so inconsistent to start his career that, you know, you, you can't make a definitive judgment on him yet. I mean, that I guess the hope that I'm holding out for him is that he can 
win games under the right circumstances. But the problem is, I don't know if that's going to happen on this team. I don't know if the personnel is there. And right now, if you ask me tonight, the coach is not there. So I, I don't think you may see Sam Howell's full potential. But at the same time, you like some of the things he puts out there, like his arm talent. But then Jeff George had arm talent. I mean, there's plenty of guys that has arm talent, but can you play the position at a, on a consistent basis at a high level? And we haven't seen that from Sam Howell. So that's where you have the reservations about him. So right now, hey, I'm with Maul on this. Like, I'm still waiting to see certain things. But, hey, if something better comes along after this year, hey, you jump on it. I, I wish I wish Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy had a better tight end within this offensive game. I wish they had, like, a Darren Waller. Yeah, maybe he's not putting up numbers in New York, but that's a whole different reason. If If they had a more athletic tight end, that could definitely be Sam Howell's security blanket even more. Because, I mean, just look at it tonight. What, Logan Thomas probably had nine Nine catches, like 80 yards. Yeah, that was off the top of my head. And Logan can't really move. (laughs) That one one down the sideline, I was like, I know he wasn't. I knew he wasn't getting that one, bro. Hell no. As soon as I seen who it was, I was like, yep. They ain't a catch. (laughs) Um... Hey, look, I uh, appreciate everybody who tapped in, man. Uh, the the conversations in the chat was, was really entertaining, uh, and y'all stuck with us from start to finish on this, this ass-whooping that the Bears just handed down to the Commanders. Uh, some more stats, some quick stats before we get up out of here. Um, one, Ben Standing mentioned the Commanders did not attempt to run by design in the second half at all. Um defensively the commanders allowed plays of 58 56 39 34 32 23 and if you think i'm done i ain't done yet 20 yards tonight that's a total of what one two three four five six seven explosive plays from the defense uh they also gave up points on chicago's first five drives which resulted in a touchdown a field goal a touchdown a field goal and then a touchdown. So we got a lot of things to, to think about moving forward. And hopefully we see some uh, immediate responses from uh, the, the the head coach in charge here at Washington, whatever those, whatever that response is. Um, I hope we see some actionable items. Man. Um, I, I know I, I'm not, I know, what, I know what, the, I know what I know. Yeah. I, know. I mean, if, if he, if he didn't release the, the long snapper, he damn sure ain't about to fire Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio is gonna have to resign. Hopefully, if he still got an active Twitter account, I want all of you guys to spam that shit and make sure that you guys pressure him enough to deactivate his account or resign. Because I don't think he <laughs> Ron Rivera is not going to fire him. <laughs> but hey, look, I will say this though: that Magic Johnson tweet. That's you don't, as a coach or anybody involved with the organization, you don't want to see ownership Ew, tweeting anything no. like that. That's that. That is not something you want to see. They are officially on notice. I don't know how long it is, but they are officially on notice. And and one thing about this, bro, like the one thing I always appreciate about Magic, he did this with the Dodgers, he did this with the Lakers. Like he gonna talk during it during a game, he gonna talk after a game, and he ain't never hold he ain't never hold his fingers and and and, and prevent himself from hitting that tweet button or hitting send on that on that tweet. So for for him to talk the way to, in which they did, and you say that a team that you oversee from a, a or you have a part or an ear to Josh Harris and 
you say that they played with no intensity or fire. If he noticed that, who else you think noticed it? Well, Josh Harris needs to uh, watch himself because the fan base is watching him. And I've seen a couple of tweets tonight where they already pissed with him talking about he's drunk out of his mind every time they see him. <laughs> Look, man, he just got the team, bro. It ain't like yeah. he ain't got the right people around him. He got I mean, right this is still Dan Snyder's mess. I mean, as much as we can talk about Ron, Ron Rivera is Dan Snyder's Yeah, he's still the Dan Snyder snitch. You know? uh, snitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for us, though. Uh, Dre, uh, AJ, we're going to lock in, man. Y'all boys be safe. Everybody else, hey, look, it is a loss. Uh, it's a beat down. At the end of the day, bro, we still up here, man. So, look, enjoy your weekend. Y'all stay safe. Uh, enjoy the game Sunday. Fellas, we out of here. Peace. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it up. You're going to let him hit the hole or you're going to cut it off. You're going to play through fourth and long or you're going to punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap and Dive. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.